2010 back in 2017 of stepping into the mystery and going okay everything that has been everything that has come into my life how is this going to now translate moving forward i mean some of the key elements that i am aware of that is clear for me you know co-creation uh, is really important uh, circular leadership you know is important yeah. um working working with others in a way where each person is seen as a as a sovereign um capable you know magnificent individual and working together more on a on a horizontal plane of existence rather than than it being being vertical and and people take responsibility with whatever aspect of the creation they're going to work on and then coming back and then piecing it together and weaving it together and then looking at the next reiteration being in in team in a, in an organization uh working with others for a vision or a collective directive that is just beyond myself feels yeah. quite strong at the moment so yeah. you got to accentuate the positive wow i feel good a little bit of feel good goes a long way you're listening to Karen Swain, teacher of deliberate creation, accentuating the positive, showing you a way to a better life. Accentuating the positive, it's not just bad, it's sanity. Who in their right mind would accentuate anything else? Hello and welcome to another show, Accentuating the Positive with Karen Swain. Always a blessing to be with you again. I have the gorgeous Nicholas Perrin on the show today you've actually been on the show once before but it was a long time ago when we were on radio I didn't realize how long it was it was like eight years ago anyway, it was welcome. Ages. Welcome. thank you Karen thank you everyone lovely to see you all Nicholas also joined us a few weeks ago in the inner sanctum to uh to uh, go over some energy healing work that we both did oh gosh about a while ago about eight years ago we went down to Melbourne and did an energy healing course and and uh, I've been chatting about it, you know, what we can do with the with my online tribe in the Inner Sanctum. And I said to them, would you like Nick to come? Because I did one of your workshops in Sydney. You were going over some principles with another couple of gorgeous goddesses. And I so enjoyed it. I was talking about it to my tribe. And I said, would you like Nick to come and talk to you about it? And they all said, yes, we had such a great time. Thank you so <laughs> it was. Much. It was. It was beautiful. But let me tell people that don't know about Nick what Nicholas is up to. For many years, Nicholas lived a nine-to-five life working in the corporate world. He left this way of living around 10 years ago, choosing to live a more heart-centered life. During this time, he noticed many people were living a life that was not true for them, making choices based on expectation of others. He says, moving out of survival mentality to a thriving state of mind is the first step to embracing our gifts talents and to move in the direction of our soul's desires. Nicholas has been on his own inner awakening journey for 14 years and shares this his gifts with others. He's committed to inspiring at least 10 million people globally to be visionary awakened leaders living on purpose and creating extraordinary lives for themselves and awake communities. Over the past three years, Nicholas has been living around the world visiting sacred sites and going to international New Earth Paradigm communities, earth grids 
and light work and living in a 5D flow reality. Today, Nicholas is a guide who supports difference makers to catalyze their most potent dormant gifts. He supports his clients in transitioning from the pain of playing small and confused about their life direction to step into a new reality, one which reflects their soul's destiny and legacy. He helps you see a magnetic vision, activating your divine soul blueprint, enabling you to make the highest difference in this world. Nicholas believes in a holistic approach and shares and teaches about new paradigms, intuition, meditation, energetic transmissions, somatic body transformations, soul-driven leadership and thriving mindset. Nicholas believes that our circumstances do not matter. Only our state of being matters. Choosing to be empowered and courageous are the foundations to living a free, sovereign and fulfilling life. And he's one of our speakers in the upcoming Higher Self Expo, where we're talking about where science meets spirituality. And the topic of your talk is the alchemy of quantum higher self alignment, which sounds pretty exciting. You it's say, exciting. Yeah. You say here that you're going to take us on a journey as we explore how we can align more effectively to our higher self through the art of alchemy and quantum science. You will share how we can use the and connect with the morphic field of resonance, which directly affects our human experience. Learn and experience how to use symbols that act as keys to individual doors that exists within the quantum field. There's the cat. Yeah. <laughs> the cat's up Secret. for this. <laughs> this will be a practical experience of integrating quantum science into your everyday human experience, expanding our consciousness and the possibilities that we are available to in everyday life. Well, that sounds very exciting. <laughs> very exciting indeed. But let's go over your story a little bit. What happened to you when you were working in the like, what did you want to be when you left school? What did you think your life was all about? Like climbing the corporate ladder, making money, buying the house, getting the mortgage? Not really. Although at the time of when I, you know, when I left school, went, went to uni, I did, I did a double degree doing business. And that was really kind of motivated through my grandfather, who was an entrepreneur and had done really, really well back in South Africa. His parents were Italian migrants that had left Italy after World War II, migrated to South Africa. And of course, sort of post the post World War II era was, you know, a massive, massive opportunities all around the world, particularly in countries like South Africa and South America, and even in Australia and New Zealand as well. And a lot of people from Europe were like, I want to get out of here and start a new life. And, you know, my grandparents did the same. Yeah. So they set up a very successful um, pasta and ice cream cone factory and all those Italian products back in South Africa. And, um, that entrepreneurial, I don't know, the, the idea of making something out of nothing was something that did resonate for, for me. And I just thought, wow, that's amazing to create, just to be a creator. And yeah. the only thing at the time that I was aware of was, was, was the business world. That was the only thing that drew me. And I thought, okay, I'm going to go into that direction. So while I was at uni, I started to work in a call center for a share registry so dealing with all the investor inquiries that came through for all the listed companies on the stock exchange, you know, angry people, happy people, confused people, uh, people that were just bored, old people that had no one to talk to and everything in between. Um, <laughs> it, was, it was interesting um, yeah. just dealing with all these different inquiries and peoples and agendas. And 
you know, was working in that world, did project management after working in the call registry or call center um, and learning about, yeah, project management, how to put through different takeovers, capital raisings, rights issues, all of that kind of stuff on behalf of, of our client who was the company. And then uh, moved to JP Morgan, again, kind of working in the custody part of the business, which is really looking after the assets on behalf of high net worth. Uh, individuals or in, 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 in this case, governments actually, um, like the Bank of Norway and the government of Chile and huge clients. And um, it was in JP Morgan that the shift started to really unfold for me. So I started to really question, you know, what was I doing and what were people here doing? Why were people doing what they were doing? And I remember asking actually one of the really senior, really top executives in the company going, why do you do what you do? Why are you here? Like, is there a reason? And he just basically sort of said, it's just a life choice. You know, if you want to live this way, if you want to live in this world, then you that's what you choose and you sacrifice certain things and you allow other things in. And a lot of, some of the clients, like I, one of the clients I'd worked for was Credit Suisse and Macquarie Bank at the time. And what I noticed with all these people was they basically all sort of said the same thing. You choose a certain lifestyle, you choose a way of living, and basically your work life, your personal life, your lifestyle becomes one thing. Like people used to hang out on the weekends, they used to go on yachting adventures, they, you know, you would hang out with different couples within the organization. So it just became your reality. And I questioned that and went, well, is that kind of what life's about for me? And is that what I want to be doing? noticing that so many people you know were often sending emails at one in the morning two in the morning and I was just like I just don't think that's my world you know uh, there isn't anything in, in in what I've seen that really drives me forward and in 2010 my intuition had sort of sent a very strong message through which was basically like you're going to be leaving the corporate world this isn't where you're meant to be right now and at the time I just had no real sense of what my life was going to look like. Um, I'd been on the tra self-transformational journey for about four years up to that point, um, just doing my own healing work, my own transformation. I dived into Reiki healing and, and all sorts of other things, but it was really just for myself. It was just my own personal journey and I had no sense or direction of it translating into being a healer or a coach or a guide or anything like that. And even in 2010, when my intuition spoke to me, it was super unclear. Like it was just, you're going to be leaving. But I was like, okay, and what am I leaving into? And it was just this deafening silence, right? <laughs> or I don't know, you'll have to wait and see. Um, it was challenging. It was, it was, it was challenging to, to be in that space because it was the first time where I think I was invited into the great mystery of not knowing. And then kind of about five, five months after when that first intuitive impulse came, my mother passed away from cancer, which, which, which wasn't a sudden experience because she had been diagnosed with breast cancer in 2007. So it was a journey. But in, 20, in 2010, her condition rapidly deteriorated. Like it was like, okay, um, like I could see the life force energy in her spirit and her being and her soul kind of slowly leaving her body and, and yeah, realizing that she was on the out. And in July that year, she passed over. And I had some amazing experiences through that. You know, like I'd done a, a Reiki uh, energy healing session on her about two days before she passed over. And 
was super interesting because her body was twitching and all these weird things were happening and I didn't really know what was going on. But when I spoke with the channel about a couple of months later, she said, oh, you were helping actually letting, you were helping her release the attachments of the body and preparing and supporting her to actually transition. So that was actually a really beautiful uh, experience. And uh, the first time that I really felt, really encountered death, uh, which, which in a sense, that whole year was a year of deathing for me because I was letting go of my job. I put my mother passed over, a relationship, a significant relationship that I was in was releasing. A lot of friendship circles were releasing. I significantly injured my right knee. Uh, so it was just like a real deconstruction. It was, it was intense. And, and then what happened was I went to a retreat three months after the passing of my mother to really kind of allow the grief and the you know, allow that process to um, do what it needed to do. And in that journey, I was connecting with people and just honestly sharing, like, I'm not really sure what my life's about. I'm not really sure where I'm at. You know, all I know is I'm not meant to be in the corporate world. And that's, you know, and I'm, I'm getting a sense and a feeling that I'm meant to be working with people. I'm, you know, it could be relate client relationship. It might be sales. It might be something in that space, but that's as much as I've got. And, and through being at that retreat, there was um, a synchronicity that unfolded where the person who was holding it, um, Amir Zoghi, who ran at the time Be Free Events, then sort of invited me to a conversation at the end of that year saying, look, come to my house. I'd love to hear more about you. I'd love to hear more about what you're up to, what you can do, what you're motivated to do. And at the end of that conversation, he offered me um, a position on the team and said, look, I've really, I really feel that what you have learned in the corporate space and just your abilities and skills could really help what I'm trying to do. Cause he was a visionary, you know, amazing visionary, got amazing ideas, but the implementation or the, 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 the grounding in of those ideas isn't always necessarily a visionary's best skill set. So I help with that. And, and it was awesome because I, what, what the transition point for me was having been in such a controlled, rigid environment, very mental, very, controlled and then going into the opposite it was all about feet following your feeling um, going with the intuitive impulse following your heart um, it was it was the opposite experience but then I still got to support him and going how can we bring this message to the world in a way that can land for people so running events and doing all the kind of back-end stuff so it was it was all perfect which at the time I couldn't see obviously and yeah isn't isn't that the truth right about the unfolding realities that we move into often we can't see how these pieces all come together and looking back on it um, you know it was such an important part of of my life and in my journey and so many skills that I learned that I didn't know about that later on when you know when I started to guide others people into you know on their own journeys and paths through the Lionheart coaching path all of those skills that I'd learned in his business in his uh, in his creation I was able to effortlessly use my own practice, which obviously yeah. at the time I had no idea about. Yeah, I want to go back to your, I want to go back to your mother's transition because we had a meeting, what's today? A, a night before last for the Vision Keepers and Heather. And so Nicholas is one of the Vision Keepers, which is a group we have. It's the conscious leaders of Sydney or Australia sort of supporting each other. And we were talking about transition. She sort of themes each meeting and transition was the theme of, and we're in that transitionary time. Like you were supporting your mother's transition. 
and uh, you're talking about your transition from the corporate mindset, the corporate world, going into the mindset of living in service, uh, in service to the creator, you know, as a human being in service to the creator and what that entails. And that entails like totally surrendering and living in the mystery, which is really scary for so many people because we want, we want plans, you know, we, we, we want goals to move into and plans. And sometimes you just got to let go and be in the mystery and, and let the universe sort out those details and just be up, be up for saying yes to whatever comes like um, what was his name? Amir? Ashogi? Amir, Amir Zogi. Yeah. Was, Zogi, um, yeah. The, the name of the speaker. Yeah. Which is scary for so many people. I think that that's why they stay in that sort of corporate mindset where everything is, planned and you know you've got that paycheck at the end of the week there's no mystery there you know what's going on uh yeah do you want to say something about that like moving from the i know to the i don't know and being comfortable inside the i don't know yeah and look it does connect in with what i'm wanting to share with the highest you know the highest self expo it, it's like when i was really tuning into into the question of what is the most important thing that that I could support, but just that people um, could know about that would just radically transform how we live our lives and how society lives their lives. And to me, it's it's that higher self-connection. You know, it's remembering that we're more than just human body. We're more than the personality and how we perceive reality through the five human senses is just a very limited or, or small spectrum of what's really going on. And so the question is like, how can I open myself up and be receptive to more of what's actually going on, really? And to then start to create my own language and my own way of navigating that, because it is a little bit different for everyone, like how I receive insights and messages and, and, and directives is different to other people. And there are some common um, key kind of themes that we can be aware of, but it's really about self-mastery and 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 becoming familiar with with how it works for me and so that's been a large part of the work that I've done because I really feel that once someone's higher self is really kind of activated and their own heart intelligence is open um, they've moved beyond kind of the egoic left brain way of orientating life oh you know being very logical very rational or needing to justify or understand or or conceptualize everything in, in 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 how we've always known it and move beyond that into the into what well, how can I actually get answers to realities that I don't even know exist like how do I open myself up into more of the void the unmanifested realms of of reality and be a participant in that and I think so so many problems in in life become solved through through that and and the recognition that I'm just one part of this incredible unfoldment and and seeing other people as part of that that mystery the they've got certain pieces of the puzzle I've got certain pieces of the puzzle and then and then the co-creation and the working together and the instead of seeing life as I'm the separate individual competing and trying to make life happen and, and be this, you know, successful and be seen as someone or something, it then rather becomes more about, I just want to play the part that I was destined to play. Like, yeah. 
you know, it's like the the acorn, you know, when you look at, at a beautiful acorn, it's just the, 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 the blueprint of the acorn is to be this incredible oak tree. And, and so it doesn't want to be more, it doesn't want to be anything different. It doesn't want to be anything less. It doesn't want to be anything more. It just want, it's just allow me to manifest and step into the magnificence of the oak tree. Yeah. And, and it's really that it's really, then there's no, there's no need to become something more than what I am. There's also no need to diminish myself or hide away or feel any, any sense of inadequacy or inferiority. It, it's just, how do I be all of who I am? And I, I really feel that that is for me, the most important, um, you know, single t- single alignment or teaching or directive at this time. Yeah, it's uh, you say many times, you know, in the in your bio, your soul's plan, you know, stepping into your soul's desires and your soul's plan, because we do have a plan before we come. And, and then we have the free will to totally not listen to that. <laughs> And do what mm. we think we should do. Like, okay, I've come here to change the world. No, I want to have money and go on holidays. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, you could do both. But, but yeah, listening yes. to that soul plan, but there's this juxtaposition that, you know, listening to there is a plan, but you still have, you still have this, you still have to make decisions. Like mm. you still got to make decisions. I get this a lot with my clients. You know, I, I know that I'm here to make a difference, but I don't know what, like that, you know, you were saying making choices um, based on the expectation of others. And um, uh, what did you say here? You know, being in that, that I don't know what I'm supposed to do with my life. Like that's a question I get from so many of my clients, of, you know, that are know that they're here to make a difference, but they just don't know how that looks or what that looks like. And then we have to unravel that, like what's calling you? What are you passionate about? What do you want to think about? You know, where do you put your focus that really feels good? Like Bashar mm. says, follow your highest excitement. And, and inside all of that, there's still decisions to be made. So it's, it's a confusing time, but confusion and then letting go of the confusion like that. Can I just relax and let, and let it unfold, make some decisions, then let go, make some decisions, then let go. I don't know. I've done it so many, I've been doing it for so many years. I'm a bit of an expert at it actually. Uh, yeah. Being in the, I don't know. Uh, what is it? Deepak Chopra said the wisdom of uncertainty when we've got our life all planned out, uh, because we're the creator of our reality, then there's no wiggle room for something extraordinary, for something different than what we think to happen. But when we let go and live in the wisdom of uncertainty, then infinite possibility is available, right? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. And it, it, is a bit of a, it is a bit of a paradox because it's like the, the, there is the, the, like both of these ideas of, of a destiny or a blueprint or um, some kind of overarching direction is there and yet there is also the free will or, or having to make choices and decisions and, and I feel like that's partly the the alignment with the coming together of the character the personality the egoic aspect and the higher self and the soul and the the the, the working together of those elements because you know the human side of us kind of often does go for security, predictability, comfort, belonging, you know, what I can hold on to. And then, you know, the, 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 the more expanded aspect or the elements beyond time and space is going for change, evolution, growth, new experiences, 
um, it, it really doesn't actually care necessarily about success or failure. It's, it's more about the experience. Like, let's go through the experience. Like, what happens? What do I learn from it? Exactly. Um, what, yeah. What did I? What can come into my reality now as a result of that unfolding? And so there isn't any of those judgments of seeing it as, oh, that was really good. That was really bad. That was terrible. I, I hated that. You know. Um, and it's it's more the 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 marinating the marinating of those two and and the unific the unification of of the human aspects and to the best of our ability, just being able to experience things as they are, without kind of putting a story on top of it you know it's a challenge i know as humans we get so caught up in the success principle and there are so many motivational coaches out there or law of attraction coaches out there that are all teaching us how to be successful 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 and when we're not successful we're beating up on ourselves i don't think success is the meaning to life really no 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 i don't either i think it's more about how can i be all of who i am and express yeah. that and just be me, you yeah. know, my authentic true self. And, and sometimes, you know, there's a lot of things like being successful is often just the really small things in the background, um, often things that people might not even notice or might not even recognize. And, and that could actually be the most successful way of, right. of expressing or being expressing. in the world. It's not necessarily, mm. you know, everyone recognizing this incredibly huge project or vision or thing that that manifests and you know it's it's funny even when you were sharing you know part of my bio you know inspiring 10 million people that was something that you know dropped in about eight or nine years ago and 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 you know i'm in a very different place to where i was then and and now it's kind of like you know it doesn't actually really matter on the number really um it's more of you know allowing those ripples to radiate out into the world and and allow others to to do what they need to do and if i can catalyze and support someone to align more to to who they truly are then you know that's success for me i don't think we'll ever truly know how what the impact of our life has been until we uh you know transition and have a near-death like a death experience Mm. and 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 do a life review will we really see the overarching effect of those ripple effects? You know, like when you say you want to inspire 10 million people, you never, you, I don't think you'll ever really know. One of the most profound stories that I've uh, remembered from many people on the show was Howard Storm had an NDE, I don't know, probably about 40, 50 years ago. He's been sharing it for years on Oprah and Donahue and everything. He still shares it. He became a minister afterwards, but during he was an artist and an art teacher and he'd taken a group of students to Paris to um, to learn art and he'd had he'd had art exhibitions and he'd been awarded um, you know accolades for his art and he was climbing up that successful ladder and feeling very proud of himself and very you know like I'm fantastic and uh, he died and during his review he was looking through all the things that happened in his life and and when he was given this award for his art he was chatting with Jesus. That's why I became a minister. Jesus said, not important. And he said, what, 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 but, 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 like, I was given this award for being such a great artist. Jesus said, not important. That's not what I want you to look at. Obviously, the review was for him to come back into this life. So it wasn't the same as a review when you're not going to come back into a life. Mm. And then he said to Jesus, well, if that's not important, like all my success in life is not important. What is important? And he took him to a time where he's in his office and a student had come in 
and he was he'd had been broken up from his girlfriend if he dumped and he was really heartbroken and he'd wanted his beloved art teacher to give him some compassion and solace and at the time Howard was busy and thinking oh what does this kid want he's here he's like annoying me I wish he'd get out of my office and he was just really curt with him and just sort of dismissed him and he said that was a really important part of your life you had an opportunity there to help someone who needed your help and you dismissed it and how it's like oh my god <laughs> right yeah you know, we can forget that that is success makes me want to cry yeah, no, that, that's a touching moment. And, and I think some of those near-death experiences when, you know, people come back, it's funny, I've just been doing a little bit of diving into all of that. It's often, you know, it's like the universe going, if we don't, inter, if we don't need to intervene here and uh, pull this person aside and, and just give them a bit of a recheck, you know, the current path they're going down is, is, is just a bit off um, to, to what they came here to do. So it's almost just a bit of like a recheck, regroup, reset, and get back in there again. You know? <laughs> um, but it's so true. Uh, I, I think, you know, again, a lot of the ideals and what people think life is about. Yeah. Um, it, it, it's not necessarily always aligning to, to how we can be of service and often in small right. moments like that, uh, to, to potentially really support someone who's going through a crisis or going through a really difficult moment and, really needed a little bit of guidance and support and love and care. Exactly. Now, in the same vein, a few years ago, you threw everything up in the air and you said, right, I don't know, I'm going to explore the world more. So you set off on a journey to explore the world <laughs> and you're away for about three years and you went to some amazing places and did some amazing things. I'd love to get into what you did. Uh, you went to sacred sites. Like, where did you go? What did you do? What did you learn? Yeah. So again, talking about transitions and mystery, it's like in 2017, I, I had gone to a retreat. Um, it was like a global visionary leaders retreat in the Virgin, US Virgin Islands. It took me forever to get there. It was like 40 hours worth of flights. It was so difficult from Australia uh, to get there. It was like three or four flights. And I knew that when I, when I signed up for that conference, I knew it wasn't really about the materials um, so much, but it was more about the connections and just more about who I was going to connect with the meet. And it turned to be, it turned out to be true. Actually, there were some amazing people that I met there, and I'm still really good friends with them, and we still support each other. But what happened was, is when I got back to Australia, I had this one month where everything was flowing, everything was working, and I had all these visions and ideas of where you know I wanted to take my work and what I thought this, the rest of of 2017 was going to be all about and then it was literally like someone turned the lights off and everything just stopped working and I was like okay what's going on but luckily I'd had enough enough experience up to that point to go don't resist it it's, you know just trust this process even though it's you know I'm in this kind of unknown you know life is kind of grinding to a screeching halt you know just be with that and two months passed by where there, there was just nothing was happening. And, you know, people were even had inquired, said, look, you know, are you doing any group journeys? Are you doing anything? I said, look, just hold off for the moment because I feel something big is going to happen. I don't know what it is yet. And I was, it was at the end of April and it was an autumn, late autumn afternoon. And I was just before my yoga class. And I remember really sort of wholeheartedly, you know, really desiring some clarity from the universe. I was like, right, what is it that I'm not seeing? Because you know, something's going on, but I'm obviously not aware of what is going on. And this message just came into my being. It was so strong. 
And it was so crystal clear. It was just like, you need to leave Sydney. You need to give up everything. You need to let everything go. And you need to go on this awakened, indefinite uh, pilgrimage overseas. And so I packed up my life. And in two weeks' time, I was on a plane. Middle of May, I think it was like the 17th of May, I was on a, I was on a plane. And, and that hot, like, it, I mean, it was like, it was like going onto a totally different timeline. It was super extraordinary like i was just like wow that that is incredible like i had all these ideas all these visions all the all these all the sense of what i thought my life was going to be about for the next year or two and i'm on i'm doing something completely different like okay let's go with this so so to answer your question like you know what did i do um the impulse the evolutionary impulse or the, the you know I, I call it like my soul's desire was to go to different intentional communities. So I visited Bindhorn, I visited Damanhur, I visited Tamira, some of the big ones in Europe. I also visited a whole bunch of other communities like the Honequin family in, in, in uh, Japan, um, Pachamama in Costa Rica, Inanita in Nicaragua, um, um, a, a sanctuary in Guatemala, a whole lot of other different places uh, all around the world. And really it was, it, it was like what, what I guess reality wanted to bring into my space was what are the alternative ways of how we can live uh, on the planet together? And so it, it, the transition point for me was instead of it being individualistically focused around helping individuals awaken, helping people sort of catalyze their life and move into a direction of, of what their soul destiny, it was looking at it from a, from a community perspective. How can we as a community move into a into a into a reality or into a timeline where we're working together when we're in co-creation what would it look like when people are you know tapped in tuned in plugged in and risk you know receptacles to source intelligence to create society in a in a different way because i became so aware of my visitations to cities all across the planet there wasn't any one city and what i was shown was just the dysfunction and the, the environment was not conducive for people being heart-centered, for people being able to even have care and compassion for themselves and others because of the incredible stresses that people are faced with. You know, you know, not a lot of time and, you know, I've got to take care of my family, I've got to earn money, I've got to, you know, got my social commitments, I've got to have got all these hobbies. Um, it's almost like there's just no time for anything else. And it doesn't surprise me that there isn't space for compassion and, and um, community support and helping one another because it's the environment isn't conducive for that. People are under so much stress and pressure yeah. because everyone feels like they've, you, you've got to be responsible for everything in your own life. Right. And so what these new communities were teaching me is like the way that you're living on the planet now in these cities, this is, hasn't been the way for a long time. You know, all yeah. the indigenous cultures they lived in a way where there was plenty of time and space for spiritual growth and development. There was plenty of time for cultural, art, uh, theatrical or self-expressive ways, storytelling, um, dancing, you know, bringing different communities together to have different rituals and ceremonies. And of course, having the responsibilities of, you know, making sure that there's enough resources and food and yeah. whatever it is. Sharing so that's, the responsibilities of survival. Like I have to make enough money to put a food in my mouth and pay my bills and pay the rent. Like I'm responsible for my survival. 
And so I've got no time for anything else. But if we're sharing those responsibilities, yeah, you can relax. Exactly. Like, exactly. And, and, you know, raising children, it's like how stressful and how intense is that these days? Like, instead of going, well, the community is responsible for raising the children. Right. And actually, in in most Indigenous cultures, the parents um, weren't the ones that raised the kids. It was actually the grandparents. It was the older people because they had more wisdom. They had more experience. They also had more compassion. And, and, you know, grandparents generally are, you know, they love being with the kids, but the parents are, you know, thinking of a million and one things and often don't have time to be with the kids in the way that the kids would love yeah. and I kind of like I've got 10 minutes right you know and then I'm out of here <laughs> sort yourself out watch television play your computer games um you know don't bother me um so as you visited these communities were they working effectively like were people happy and was it sort of bipping along smoothly or was it a little bit or, you know, what did you experience? My, my, my honest experience is that every, all of these communities had some amazing parts to them, things that right. were like, this is amazing. Uh-huh. And then there was dysfunction. There were yeah. things that I was like, this is not, um, you know, from my perspective, the, the, the most aligned or the most, uh-huh. um, you know, powerful way of being together. But I, I also recognise that it, it, it was a reflection of just where we are as a collective as well. It's like yes. we're, in, we're, in, we're in a transition. It's like it's not all clear. There's also yes. so much shadow integration work going on. There's a yes. lot of collective healing work going on between the masculine, between the feminine, like yeah. so many things. So I also just saw that as going, these communities are also just going through the process of they've, they've signed up for the, for the experience of, I'm not going to participate in the mainstream way. I'm going to, I'm going to explore reality in a different way, but I'm also recognizing it's not necessarily all going to be smooth sailing, you know, and easeful because there is going to be stuff that is coming up yeah. uh, for them. And they all had different flavors as well. They all had yeah. different reasons for existing. They all had different kind of focal points or purposes that were driving them are all different. So yeah. that was ideologies. Different ideologies yeah. yeah you know i think about oh, you know you see movies that like the amish communities and those sorts of communities where people leave the mainstream world to create their own community based on rules and regulations and principles that they cherish like being with nature and being more and they create all these rules and regulations and oh it's so often gone so badly wrong <laughs> So often, and even even well-meaning people that get together in community here that try to do the same thing. I spoke to a young girl a few years ago that said that she visited a lot of communities in the country, a north and sustainable farming communities, and you know they have these great ideas and principles, but then egos get in the way, and you you know this is the way it should be done. No, this is the way it should be done, and people are arguing and. And it all disbands. My daughter was even a part of that, you know, in a community for a while. And this young guy wanted to get this community happening, but he had his way. It was his way or the highway. And people came in and he couldn't listen to other people's points of view. So they didn't stay. It's just so interesting what you say, Nicholas, about we have to do the consciousness work first, really. Mm -hmm. Yeah. In order to really live in alignment, in community, in alignment with, with principles that are the benefit of all yeah well that's the thing you know and like unfortunately and it's spot on some some people they they receive the vision or they get an impulse of wanting to live in community but then 
some of the old the old ways within themselves they haven't integrated yet so they bring that you know into the new creation and unless you're going to be radically honest and go you know this this process or this journey of me creating a new community part of it is going to be us as a group collective transforming the old and you know that's going to be a little bit uncomfortable and a little bit messy and it's not going to be perfect and being aware that I don't have all the answers and I can't do this on my own but yeah the control aspect you know people the people often the the, the people that have the initial vision um really want to hold on to it, want to hold on to the way that they think is the way mm. and, and can unfortunately can kill it because mm. other people that step in feel like their import, their, their um, download or their receiving isn't, isn't, isn't um, considered on, on par. So unfortunately, then the only two things that can happen, one is it just doesn't work or you manifest a situation where it becomes a pyramid where you've got kind of like a leader, a guru, you know, the, the decision maker at the top, and then you've got the subordinates or the people underneath that basically just implement what that person wants. Right, which has been the way our society has been structured really, hasn't it? And, exactly. And, and people are rebelling against it now. Like there are people in power that are making decisions um, in a so-called democracy where we're, we're all supposed to be a part of those decisions, but we're not. And those decisions are greatly affecting the way we live our lives and the way we can do business and survive. Uh, and we have no say in it. There's no democracy in the decisions being made right now. So it's all up for discussion at the moment, isn't it? It's all up for transition. It's all up for review, let's say that. Is this the best way that we can live as a society with the current status quo that we've got going on with this sort of pyramid-like government thing? Ooh, totally yeah yeah I mean, part of the part of the, the you know the second part of the, the the overseas journey that i was doing was going to the different sacred sites and mm -hmm. you know what i realized was it's like we need to go to our ancient past the wisdom of the of the ancients to to connect with that ancient wisdom and connect it into the future and allow that wisdom to also guide us so it's not you know about going back into prehistoric ways of living but it's about looking at some of the underlying principles or the ways of how those societies function and some of the wisdoms and truths and um, frequencies that they were connecting with and bring that into this world and allow that to help transform some of the elements that are not working for us anymore. Yeah. So did you have any extraordinary experiences at any of these sacred sites? Talk to any spirit guides or see any ancient you know, visions or what was going on? Yeah, look, I mean, I went to quite a few, um, like, for example, like I did a, an amazing pilgrimage in Egypt. We, we were very blessed to uh, connect with the, with the Sphinx and go into the King's Chamber in the, in the Great Pyramid and, you know, really do a lot of work in, in many of the temples and connect to some of the energies. So some of the statues that exist within uh, those temples are still activated. They still um, have, you know, being... Um, connect like you can still connect to to the energies that were embedded in those um, uh, statues from thousands and thousands and thousands of years ago so there was all sorts of incredible experiences uh you know in 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 those in those temples i just i feel for me like if i just had to kind of summarize it it was like by engaging with these different sacred sites it was like more parts of me got turned on and 
more memories opened up to let's say the greater journey as a being that I've that I've been on. So for example, it's like I've been reading um uh some something two two books that really grabbed my attention recently, um, Anna the Grandmother of Jesus, and talks about, you know, kind of an 800 year period, sort of 600 years before, 200 years after, and the greater kind of, you know, what unfolded. And what what blew my mind was that a lot of the places the physical places that she was talking about in southern France, in Avalon, in Fortingale, in Scotland, um, in in Mona, in northwestern Wales, also, you know, the places in India, Egypt, Middle East, um, and in Turkey, were, were some of those places, or many of them, I've been to. I visited. I was there. So sometimes it's like. I go into the experience of going into these sacred sites, recognizing that something significant is present for me, but not necessarily always being completely aware of what does this actually mean? What is actually igniting in me? So what I became really aware of through these books was that the, the seen way of living, right? The community way of living where you're in service to everyone's spiritual development and growth. Okay, we froze for a bit. Uh, so you were saying you were in you were in these places and you had some memories of living in the Essene community, like some past life memories. What were yeah. those memories? Yeah. So for example, there was different communities like at Comran, Mount Carmel, um, Bucharest in southern France, and then also in Avalon as well, as well as um, two different communities in Wales. And and yeah, I was drawn to these different different places for, for different reasons during my travels. And um, just felt often felt a very strong resonance, or felt oh, there's something really powerful here. There's something for me. There's something in me that is igniting and enlivening, but often not having the full awareness or the full understanding uh, of what that actually translates or what it actually means. But going there, it was like it ignited, it opened something up in me. And I think that was a large part of what these travels were. It was almost like keys that were opening different portals of consciousness for me which will still be translating, will still be revealing themselves in the years to come. Yeah. Um, I still feel it's an unfolding process. Even though I've come yeah. back to Australia, I'm grounding in and really allowing the next cycle to really um, allow itself to reveal, it will reveal itself to me. Yeah. Um, I still feel a connection to all, to all of what has happened. So the Essenes, do you know much about the Essenes? Like, do you know what their vision and purpose were? We used to speak about it in the Academy of Light. They're basically a group of people that sort of protected sacred knowledge that was being suppressed at the time by governments and churches, weren't they? And they sort of protected sacred spiritual knowledge or something like that. What's your remembrance or understanding of the Essenes and their way of life and who they were and what they did? Yeah, so they were, um, you can call them, you know, the, the mystics. And they were beings that, you know, explored the deep revelations of the mysteries of, of life and reality. And, it, you know, the, 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 the full alignment to God's source divinity and supporting one another, supporting each other, but then also doing a lot of anchoring in of those higher frequencies into the grids and doing a lot of preparation work. But at the time, 2000, 3000 years ago, <clears throat> humanity wasn't really ready uh, for a lot of that work, you know. So, for example, uh, in in the book that I read, they talk about some of the actual alchemical processes of how they would be able to live for hundreds of years, you know, five, six, seven 
800 years and be able to consciously pass over. And so there was a lot more um, conscious awareness of how to live life and, and actually be in union of this physical plane, but also recognize that there's so much more going on uh, beyond this physical plane. And so they had a lot of initiations that they did. And yes, obviously they were keepers of the sacred knowledge and, you know, their, their doors weren't closed, but they allowed synchronicity to allow those people to come to them who needed to come to them. But they certainly weren't marketing themselves or, or you know, out there trying to get people to join them. It was, it was very much, if, you, if, if it was your sole destiny to be there, you found them, they, yeah, they, they weren't out there trying to, trying to find people. But it was fascinating. Like, um, you know, I guess they were grounding in, holding and nurturing and safeguarding the frequencies, the knowledge, uh, the wisdom um, for future times, which I believe is now. Yes. Yeah, it's interesting that as we fell into more ignorance on this human plane, in this physical plane, the wisdom was always still available and in the minds of a select group of people or just still physically available. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't like you had to connect to your spirit guides or galactic family in order to receive the wisdom or talk to God or the angels. It was still physically available in the minds of a certain group of people or written in books or still, still available, even though it seemingly was lost and, and new protocols were introduced that were supposedly guiding humanity in their human evolution. Uh, and so, yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's fascinating, isn't it? How, um, and that was passed down through generations. This, this knowledge was always, it was always there and always available for those who, who wanted to find it, who, who sought after it. Yeah. Yeah. So I suppose, what do you think the role in the Essenes is today as we are reawakened to sacred knowledge of who we are as infinite creative potential and, and our power of, you know, creation and manifestation? My, my sense is that, you know, the people that were connected to those lineages in the past are remembering uh, the, the, the roles that they played as right. teachers, as guides, as beings of holding that sacred knowledge. And of course, that, that those memories are, are in, in the being's um, field. It's there, obviously not necessarily always fully remembered, mm. but, in, but in a sense, they're like these beacons that are all around the world. I think, you know, the place or, all, all across the planet and just emanating the, the, the frequencies, the knowledge, the wisdom, the, 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 the potency and the potential of awakening so that more and more people who are now much more receptive to living life in a different way. And I guess, the, the, as you mentioned, the ignorance of those times, you know, was so heavy and the dogmas and the indoctrinations and the level of fear and darkness right. was, was really level strong. Of and of course, at, at, at that time, people were killed, you know, like if you held information that was considered heretical or just considered to be a different perspective, people were killed for that. So right. that's how radically different those times were. And now, obviously, that's not the case anymore. And it's probably more, more a case of transforming the shadows, yeah. uh, the resistance, the resistances mm. and the fears and allowing ourselves to be available to those that are ready to receive it. Yeah, it's interesting that you say that people were killed in those days for information that could possibly 
um, expand human consciousness and evolve human societies. And yet that has still been going on. People that have brought through free energy devices and technologies that could evolve this world outside of the current um, political and social economic state that we're in. And those people who benefit from the current political and social economic state don't want that change and have and have you know knocked these like wiped them off the face of the earth there, there's a lot of evidence that that has happened like over and over again and the not too distant past and maybe still be going on so in many ways we think we've evolved but have we really uh there's still a lot of work to do isn't there nick <laughs> there is there's, there's still a lot we, of work we, we, we're, we're still in the beginning phase really right. you know? we're, we're still yeah. this new this new era that we're moving into it's it's we're still in transition there's still, there is still a lot of work to do. And, yeah. and, and really in order for the new ways and the new, let's say, methods of, or, or manifestations of society to really blossom, it's like the inner work of, of, of each individual. We've just got to continue to, to commit to that. Yeah. You know, as you speak about past lives, uh, Michael tomorrow and I spoke about past life and karma, past lives and karma, and he, he was the first, he was the only teacher that I'd heard speak about karma in the way my guides have been speaking about it is that karma is a continuation of, of desire of, of unfulfilled desire. So I've seen that in my own personal life as I saw my mother die when I was a child and then reincarnate and seen her fulfill unfulfilled desires. You know, I've seen two lives she's experienced I, in my one life. I've seen these two lives, this continuity of living, which has been fascinating for me but it would be the same with that you know what we didn't fulfill in that life we've come back to fulfill in this life you know mm. there is this continuation of like intention and desire like I wanted this to happen maybe it didn't happen maybe I was hung for a, as a heretic or burnt at the stake as a witch but I had a desire to uplift empower and teach and we're kind of continuing that fulfillment really aren't we in many ways yeah yeah, yeah. I think that's definitely definitely a part of it I mean, connected to, to my, my travels overseas, I know when I've tapped into some of the past um, uh, experiences that I've had, like I've experienced at, um, at a being level, a lot of limitations and restrictions in it, and there's been such a desire for freedom in this life. So I felt right. that part of the travel was just, you know, not to worry about family, other people's stuff, other people's, you know, responsibilities and to really be able to flow and, and live in, in um, just intuitive dynamic you know receptive uh, receiving and then and then moving and and I, I did I could really feel like some part of me was just like yes I really wanted to experience that which wasn't possible in some other time so I, I do yeah. resonate yeah, yeah definitely and often that unfulfilled desire drives us and we don't exactly understand what that is uh, but we're being driven by it and uh it's nice to have a little bit more awareness of what that is, like do a past life regression or go into meditation, talk to your spirit guides or whatever. But yeah, it's, it's, it's great to have an understanding of what's driving us in this lifetime, fulfilling and unfulfilled desire. Uh, all righty. So that, so that was fascinating. And in all that you experienced overseas, the, the visions and the past lives and the places and the communities, what did you bring back to Australia? Like, what do you want to implement here? How do you want to use that, that you've learned 
as you continue as a teacher expanding consciousness here in Australia? I mean, to be completely honest, it's definitely still unfolding for me. Percolating. So it's, it still is because it's, it's fascinating yeah. that since I got back, it's been about nine months, which is the time that a baby, you know, <laughs> is made. Yeah. Um, and, yeah. And, and, and it feels like I've come back to Australia. This has been a simulation, a ground, and, and it, it's only kind of probably the last two months where I'm feeling I can feel within me, it's like it, it's the same impulse, that same sense like back in 2010, back in 2017 of stepping into the mystery and going, okay, everything that has been, everything that has come into my life, how is this going to now translate moving forward? I mean, some of the key elements that I am aware of that is clear for me, you know, co-creation uh, is really important. Uh, circular leadership, you know, is important. Yeah. Um Working, working with others in a way where each person is seen as a, as a sovereign, um, capable, you know, magnificent individual and working together more on a, on a horizontal plane of existence rather than, than it being, being vertical and, and people taking responsibility and working with whatever aspect of the creation they, 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 they're going to work on and then coming back and then piecing it together and weaving it together and then looking at the next reiteration that that feels important like org, being in being in in team in, a, in an organization uh, working with others for a vision or a collective directive that is just beyond myself feels yeah. quite strong at the moment so yeah. the work that I've been doing up to this point a lot of it has been solo I mean yes. I have certainly done co-creations with other people and and it's been incredibly joyful. I love working with other people. I'm, I enjoy uh, looking at all the different uh, gifts, abilities, the ways of how people orientate themselves and be in that receptive space to then go, cool, what, what way works? What, what are the dynamics in the space with these people at this time? And how can we create something in, a, in, in harmony and balance and employ yeah. that, honors, that honors everyone? That right? honors everyone that honors everyone. And that that's really strong for me uh, at, at this present moment. time. Yeah. So the, the, the manifestation or the, what that actually looks like, it's, it hasn't fully landed at this point. Yeah. You know, when we were chatting on the vision keepers the other night, uh, a couple of the people were sharing their ties to Israel and what's happening over there with the bombings, you know, the missiles and, and they were quite upset about it. People have got family over there and, and, um, you know, many of them have been great peacemakers in this land and yet they're seeing their homeland bombed. And it just reminded me when I put on Peace Day all those years ago that the saying that really uh, touched me during that time, that really drove me during that time was that the people that want to organise, the people that want to, you know, stand up for peace need to be as organised as the people that create war. So when you think about creating war, there is huge organization and strategy involved in that, right? It's, it's like it's huge. Invo think about the military. <laughs> think about it. And, and the people that want to create peace on this world need to be as organized <laughs> as the ones that are creating war. And I thought, yeah, you know, and that means coming together and working together 
you know, for a common goal, just like you've been talking about the whole time. Yeah, being in collaboration and not competition. And, and it's not about me and what I've got to teach. It's about us collectively together. What can we achieve? Yeah, I think that's been... Um, absolutely. And, and, and it's just to honour that everyone does have something to offer. And, 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 and often it's just about holding an environment or a space that allows those gifts to come out. Yeah. Um, and, and then weaving them, weaving them together. And that's something I really enjoy, you know, really resonate with. And I really feel, you know, part of the community aspect for me um, is how can we come together and move away from that indiv overly individualistic way of living to alleviate some of the stresses and some of the problems that are, are caused directly from that way of living right. and be more in a co-creative way. And, and from that place, you know, that physical manifestation will then kind of permeate into the collective and more people. I mean, look, there's so many people that for me, like when I'm just connecting out into the world, that people are definitely feeling the pulse of community coming together. There's a different way. What's, how can I contribute? Um, those questions are certainly permeating the collective and, and, and people are, are in that inquiry and, and, Look, it's still it's we're still in transition, so there isn't it isn't super clear, and I think people are sort of finding, you know, who's my tribe, you know, who are my people, who do I want to work with or collaborate with? So it feels like that's um, it's like the pieces on the puzzle are all moving to where they need to be. It kind yeah. of feels a little bit like that. I think we hold so firmly to our. Uh, individual identities you know like our, to be an individual to be separate to be different to everybody mm. else uh, and there is a fear that if we move into a more collective mindset or way of being that we'll lose some of that individualization I, I just feel I, I just think about ET societies that are that are collectively driven you know and they they have a they have telepathy and a hive mind and they can all think of the same thing at once and they're more connected and unified and many of those societies you know they all look the same too so that individualization has been stripped away and humans are so individualized we look at you know everyone looks different and we think differently and we're all so different so there's yeah there's that sort of juggling point of can we maintain a sense of individualization and feel one as well feel you know in community it's it's interesting times isn't it as we it's play interesting times. as we yes. play with this oh it's been so beautiful honey one any last things you'd like to share with our audience about who you are what you're doing what you teach before we say goodbye yeah, yeah sure so as i allow this beautiful transition to to unfold i feel that there is a, a new re reiteration or um um an unfoldment in life, which is normal, you know, we go through these cycles of birth and death and, and then we recreate and do it all over again. But at this time, I'm still very much excited to support people uh, in, in being a guide to support them to really connect into their higher self, to connect in to their own innate wisdom and intelligence and to create a life that reflects uh, those higher, higher ideals. So, you know, working with, uh, with, with energy, with alchemy, um, and really learning all the different all the different tools. Like I feel that we're we're in a time of self mastery. So it's really just to learn what it, what is it that I need to know to to feel comfortable with all of these all of this craziness that's going on in the world. 
um, you know, to be a conscious creator, to be also in, in co-creation with, with life, to be able to receive the intuitive messages that are for me to, to receive and then to act upon um, and just to become more masterful in, in the, the energetic uh, non-manifest realms. And, and of course, be a, a leader in, in your own way, whatever that is, you know, be the leader of your own life, really, in sharing your gifts, talents, and abilities. So, you know, that's, that's, that's still very much true for me and still very much in alignment. So I support people in that way. And, and of course, I feel that as more, as more people are aligning to who they truly are, then let's say, you know, the, the collective vision of, of a more loving, harmonious, compassionate society does become the probabilities go into our favor. Yeah. So how do you support people? You do private sessions, you do. Um... I curate, create journeys. So every single journey is unique. Uh, they last anywhere from about three to six months. Um, I, I usually sit with someone and just really kind of tune in and ask, you know, a lot of questions and, and then basically create something that is unique to them. So every single journey is unique. Every process is different. There is no kind of cookie cutter approach. And so it's intuitively led, but there is a structure that holds us. Um, but it's one-on-one, a one-on-one journey, one-on-one process. Oh, beautiful. Oh, thanks so much for sharing all your wisdom and your journeys with us on ATP Media. It's been beautiful. And I look forward to your talk at the Higher Self Expo. Sounds like quite an experience that you'll be guiding us through. Sounds yeah, like fun. Because um, as I said, I did Nick Nicholas's workshop. He did it with a couple of beautiful, with Imbal and Etty, some beautiful healing women. And it was so much fun. And you're such a magnificent teacher. You really are of, of all this quantum alchemy and healing energy. And you, yeah, you're really great. <laughs> Thanks, yeah, I'm, I'm very excited to, to, to be um, yeah, sharing uh, the experience with people at the High Self. Uh, expo coming up in july it'll be it'll be amazing and thanks so much current for holding space for uh, for us today and for all the many different shows that you've you've done over a long long time and <laughs> and and your pulse into the collective to to support people to um yeah live a more compassionate loving uh accentuatedly positive way of being right <laughs> <laughs> was wonderful to have Nicholas on the show again he's such a magnificent teacher and healer really I've known him for years now I met him through a collaboration I was doing with somebody else was putting on some events here in Sydney and and I thought "Mm, let me check out this young man I want to know more about him and uh, I, I went to one of his talks up the road from me he was doing some teaching and found out more about him and we became instant friends (laughs) it's definitely a past life connection actually as I tuned into him I was telling my online tribe when he came and spoke to us uh, that first time I went to sort of check out his teachings and everything as I tuned into him I saw him in a future life in another planet you know as this magnificent being was sort of like a female essence and Behind this being, I saw this magnificent city that was like in this future world. I don't know if it was Earth or another planet. Anyway, um, it seemed familiar to me. I thought maybe I live there too. (laughs) So we probably know each other from the future more than the past. But we spoke about the Essenes today. I think we probably met there as well, uh, being an Essene. 
Uh, it's fascinating, the Essenes. Um, a lot of people talk about our history and the Essene, what the Essenes were, the, these different societies that were the protectors of spiritual knowledge and wisdom as we fell into uh, darkness, some people call it, or less awareness of who we are as, as uh, an extension of the source. And now, of course, the conscious community speaks about it, that we're remembering our latent, potent powers of creation, how powerful our thoughts are. We've been bipping along in this world for so many thousands of years, not understanding that our thoughts and our frequency and our feelings have potent effects on the physical manifestation of this world. And we're starting to remember this and get more deliberate in how we flow our energy, how we think, how we feel, what we intend, where we put our focus and attention. It's a big, it's big teachings. Personally, I want to see it taught in every school. I want to see universities of consciousness evolution. I see a world where this education of how we remember who we are and how we direct our streams of consciousness, our focus, is the biggest education that we have. You know, for history is fine, geography is fine, maths, all that sort of stuff is, is great, but we're not taught how to direct our thoughts. We just, we're taught to sort of look out into the world and get battered around by, oh, the war is terrible, oh, that's terrible. And we feel and think according to what is presented to us instead of being deliberate in what we choose to think and where we put our powerful focus and how we flow our energy. This, is, this was all taught in the mystery schools thousands of years ago in the ancient mystery schools in Egypt. And this was the knowledge that was protected by the Essenes. Even when they were burning witches and burning people for being heretics and yeah, and it's, it's resurfacing today. And I'm sure the people that are listening to this show and my shows are the teachers of it, are the people that are carrying that ancient wisdom, future wisdom, ancient wisdom. You know, time is more of a circular thing than a linear thing like we experience here on planet Earth. And what goes around comes around, right? It's we're going through these cyclical stages and it's all coming back. Yeah, it's fascinating, isn't it? And uh, maybe we made commitments in past lives to return the knowledge. And that's what we're doing as we hold the knowledge in ourselves. And even as we were just remember for us, our own personal growth, uh, that we are psychic and we are powerful and we can travel anywhere. What did Einstein say? Logic will take you so far. Imagination will take you anywhere. You can, you know, astral travel and fly for the universe and you don't need to take your body with you. You can just use your consciousness. You know, I've had people on the show. Kevin Briggs is someone I had on the show. I've asked him to come back uh, this year, probably towards the end of the year, who from birth, um, when he was a kid in the bath, he had his galactic guides show up. <laughs> and then at nine, he had some activation that allowed him to have full conscious awareness of his powers of um, consciousness. So he could astral travel at will, leave his body at will, project his consciousness. Uh, yeah, he just had all this ability and nobody else around him seemed to. So he didn't talk about it with anyone, but he had it all online. It was all online. He said that he'd walked to the end of the gate in his house when he was, he was a kid and he had two bus stops that he could go to for school. 
and he'd just project his consciousness and have a look at the bus stops and see which was the most crowded and he'd go to the one that was less crowded <laughs> so that he'd get on the bus. And then I think he said that when he was on the bus one day, he just left his body and he was flying behind the bus, the school bus, and sort of looking around and his astral body flying and then when he needed to get back in his body, jumped back in his body and went to school. <laughs> just love this. It's just fabulous. But it's all available to all of us through remembering these ancient wisdom teachings or these futuristic wisdom teachings and uh you know the ets are reminding us the angels are reminding us our higher self are reminding us it's all happening we've got the cat here being very sweet he's been very busy this morning jumping around as i talk to nick anyway fun times fun times and uh remember to tune into the higher self expo i was just having a chat with zane we're just getting all the speakers organized now i think we've got the we've got them all the ones that can come and talk booked in. Uh, it's going to be an exciting expo. It's going to be really fun. And Nicholas is one of our speakers. He might even be a co-host. We don't know. He's thinking about it because David, who was going to co-host with me, has work commitments. So I'm looking for a new co-host on Australian, preferably male. doesn't have to be male. But Nicholas is having a think about it, so he might be one of our co-hosts. Or not. I don't know. Wait and see. Big love to you all. And... Uh, this week, I've spoken about it many times, Garnet is our guest teacher in the Inner Sanctum in a couple of days. It's going to be very exciting. I just love Garnet. He is just awesome. He's had amazing experiences too. He doesn't know how to leave his body at will. He, he does. He flies around the universe in his astral body and experiences amazing things. But it's, he does it because his spirit guide comes and collects him. And... Um, so he's sort of under the tutelage of his spirit guide. I've never asked him if he could do it at will. I will this week in the Inner Sanctum. And I'm on every week talking about all this stuff, revealing this ancient wisdom, powers of creation, deliberate creation, how to focus your mind in a way that benefits you and the rest of humanity and uh, enables you to manifest the life that you want. Yeah, how to be a potent power and force and source in this world. And remember to get to the book, Awakened by Death. I'll see you all next time. Bye for now.